Here is a motion picture film, a thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. unveiling at the unveiling we are unveil our true self you see I am not who you think that I am my name is Vikram Gandhi and I wasn't always a guru feels good to have people in the studio again oh my god it's been a it's been a long damn time you might be the only friend i got that admitted they had covid when they had it <laughs> did everyone try to hide it and go to work anyway yeah like i had two You're other surrounding yourself with typhoid marys i don't know if they went to work but um yeah i uh i did have two friends that dropped on me three that dropped on me that they had COVID another time, or all around the same time. What do you know? Goddamn. But if you had to put put a betting pool on who would get COVID, it would definitely be these three people. <laughs> uh, Stewart. Did Stewart get COVID? Stewart got COVID. <laughs> In the beginning, he was kind of like, um, I don't want to call him uh, a denier, but he seemed to not care <laughs> that much. But he got COVID. I have to admit, whenever we went home for a few weeks, I'm like, I'm glad measures are being taken. And since measures are being taken, I assume this is going to blow over and we're going to be fine. And uh, for the first time in four years, I must have just fucking forgotten that Donald goddamn Trump was president. Mm -hmm. And that he was just going to let a fuck ton of poor people die. Everyone says this, right? Everyone's like, you know, I think I had it like before we all knew it. Oh, yeah, whatever. But the January before that spring, I had I was diagnosed with pneumonia. And, like, I just was very wheezy. I couldn't get better. I was very tired. And, yeah. So I'm going to be one of those guys that says, I think I might have gotten some version of it. But if I didn't, if that was the case, then I can honestly say that I managed to go this whole time without getting it. Fuck yeah, dude. Which is a first. If something's going around, I always get it. Yeah. And it kicks my ass. Well, you kind of like quit your job, so that there's helps. that. <laughs> Did, uh, how many people got got it? Uh, I mean, we split up into pods. Um, so pods got it. Uh, kind of. As far as I know, maybe three or four as far as I can tell. That's not too bad. I'd have to I'd have to ask a few to see if they actually got it. But there were people who had the quarantine anyway because they were exposed. Right, right. Like they had direct uh when I got it though, the guy standing next to me didn't have it. Oh, okay. And That's moody. Oh well. He didn't get it. Man, the we people were trying I took to... lunch with, we, we took lunches maskless, two people at a time, facing in different directions. Mm-hmm. 
my lunch partner didn't get it, so I think it's too bad he didn't get it. We were trying to give him COVID. We were he was one person. I know, I know. Just test and see how it cycles through. I mean, he seemed young and strong, and we needed his antibodies. Yeah, suck him through a straw, <laughs> through his penis. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway. I think he'll listen to this. <laughs> he probably will. Unlike yeah. the other podcasts, if he actually listened to this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could say that with everyone, actually. Uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right, Documenteers. This is the documentary-themed podcast, the greatest documentary-themed podcast in the world. Johnny, a stalwart going way back. And uh, we often talk about stalwart. Spirit, spirit, stalwart, spiritual shit. I do want to talk about COVID more, but everyone's talked about COVID, so maybe we could just continue it in another episode or something. Have we talked about spirituality during plague times? No, not specifically, so I guess this will be the first. How has your spiritual growth been <laughs> Oh God! during um, COVID? I'd actually been trying to go to church every now and then. I'm no longer Orthodox. I've been attending an Episcopalian church because they have a very similar ritual and I don't have to be a dick to gay people and women. Do you, uh, did you go to one of those drive up? I know there was a lot of Christian <laughs> concerts at drive up theaters. No, <laughs> even though drive through communion would have been helpful every now and then. Cause at some point I was just too tired to go to church cause I got COVID and I got long COVID and I was fucking exhausted. Long, deep COVID, girthy COVID. <laughs> yes. It filled you up. Thick COVID. Let's go back to COVID. Yeah. You had COVID for a long time, or at least the symptoms. I um, got it in mid-January. I was in the thick of it when Biden was inaugurated. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I got my second shot like a week or two ago. So I, I had symptoms for that long. Wow. It wasn't always as bad, but the shortness of breath and the fatigue kept persisting. Scary. Uh, Thankfully, I came out of this still having my sense of taste and smell, because I don't know what zest for life I would have if I didn't enjoy eating anymore. That would be so rough. I think, think honestly, I was thinking like how that might be the most helpful aspect of it if I did lose it. You could just eat anything. I can't drink anymore because I've been having these breakouts. I'm having to be... Oh, you're that old. Yeah, I just... You're, you're allergic to beer old. I had some cognac because I went to some friends' house, some old friends. First time we were together in a long time. And they busted out some cognac and I was like... I had some Benadryl on hand. I was like, <laughs> let's see if this cognac fucks me up. And it tasted so good, Johnny. I bet it did. It tasted so fucking good. I bet it fucking did. So we all toasted, had some cognac. And sure enough... I broke out like on my body and chest like Ugh. I was like I would wipe myself with poison ivy basically but God I'm sorry to hear that. But Bene- I took some Benadryl and uh, it went away in like 20 minutes thankfully so. I guess maybe if I take a Benadryl beforehand I could in theory maybe have like a drink like a toast drink. Okay. But I can't like just sit there and drink all night. There's uh, that might I might die if I if I do that. That blows, dude. I'm sorry to hear that. Also, it's better for you, but uh, it sucks. You know, I've always been more of a social drinker, but when you can't really do it, you're like, man, I could really, because I like an occasional whiskey, an occasional scotch. (laughs) I like a beer. I like a nice beer. I absolutely hear you. And 
Yeah, it sucks. I I I usually drink to avoid social situations. <laughs> just you're, just to just to tone down the noise all around me. I absolutely. That, that's probably uh, I, why I, I used do. alcohol as that crutch for that for quite some time, and now the doctors tell me to cut back. So. That's probably why I do the other stuff. <laughs> Heroin. Um, Heroin that also helps with social situations. I crush up um, car window glass and I snort it. Damn. So, ever, so you're like, oh, I've got a bloody nose. I gotta go. Sorry, guys. I'm hard AF. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, it's funny. Um, this is just a coincidence, but this movie we're talking about, Kumare, directed by Vikram Gandhi, is the second Vikram Gandhi movie we're discussing this month. Really? I yeah. was wondering what else he's done because uh, that. I, well, I'm not gonna, not gonna give too much away. Earlier this month. Too early. Earlier this month, we discussed. Uh, six nine, the saga of Danny Hernandez, which is uh, the Hulu documentary about SoundCloud rapper Takashi Six Nine. Oh, and all his troubles. Okay, and okay. he directed that. He also directed um, was the producer on something called Barry. No, he directed Barry, which is about a young Barack Obama. Okay, he's done Vice shit. He's done shit for Vice. He did a uh, one called. Eleven eight sixteen, and he does another thing called the Guru inside you, and it does seem like his experience making Kumare has uh, influenced everything he's done after, because in six nine, he put in this forced kind of thing like, is six nine a a product of his environment or is he manipulate? Like he was trying to find deeper meaning in this story <laughs> of a. Uh, of a narcissist kid who just fucking stepped over everyone to achieve fame. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm going to go so in both minds and multiple ways talking about this documentary. I have a lot of feelings on a lot of different fronts about what happened there. In a way, I thought a lot of it was charming. Oh, yeah. But in, a, but in other ways, I felt like there was a bit of a cop-out in terms of what he tried to get out of it and what he turned it into when at the end of the day he's really just manipulating people. <laughs> There's that. But he, you can tell he knows he's manipulating people. He's, he, yes. Yes, and, uh, well, I mean, I don't want to get too far forward in the documentary at this point, but yes, I have yes. thoughts about that. Well, let's get on into it. And one thing I do Damn like great. about this documentary is that it kind of goes right into it fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. This one is on uh, Tubi, which is a free movie app. It is. Uh, you get commercials, but it's not too bad. It's really not. And, um, yeah, so check this out on there, folks. But we start off with a quote. Let me blow your mind with this fuck. Oh, go ahead and blow my mind. I've got it. I got it. Blow me with this quote. Faith, faith, faith. Begins, begins, begins as an experiment. experiment. And ends, and ends, and ends as, an as an experience. experience. By William Randolph Ing. Yeah, some random fucking You don't guy. know that guy? No. I didn't look him up. <laughs> so, Kamara is calling this whole thing faith. I mean, faith on other people's part. Uh, I suppose so. Uh, faith in yourself, I suppose. Yeah. Faith in the mysteries of the exotic East, which has dazzled white people for uh, <laughs> centuries. Yes. Uh, we see a dude, an Indian man, looking in the mirror, and then he's surrounded by sur- suburbanite-looking people, mm-hmm. and then he starts to begin to confess that he is not 
who they think he is. In a very uh, thick Indian accent. Yes. What you would expect of a guru. And then it cuts away from that and we get into the past of this guy. Vikram Ghani, the director, this movie is, this. he is the centerpiece of the whole movie. It is about what he's doing. It is. And it, it, the movie is about faith, but it is like filtered through him. It's not about faith on his part. It's about <laughs> no. faith on everyone else's part. It is. So that's where it, it comes from, but he's just this... Um, it is kind of funny the way he pulls people in. He gets real, but he said he grew up with a very religious religious Indian upbringing. He was born in New Jersey. His family wanted to maintain a lot of their religious identity, mm-hmm. uh, but Vikram questioned religion, and he studied in college to be more smart about it. But he grew more skeptical, and then he sees that the yoga industry blows up as he's growing up mm-hmm. into a five billion dollar industry. As he said, white people or the West rather was embracing what he was kind of trying to get away from yeah that he was skeptical of it but a lot of uh uh, mostly white people were just starting to accept and practice this wholeheartedly or some version thereof (laughs) i I remember uh my like my eldridge and my buddy william you know william had dreadlocks all his life right so uh when we'd hang out at bars and college years it'd be like uh uh, you know, the, the jock, the uh, frat bros would come up and be like, man, I love Bob Marley. <laughs> Is the Indian equivalent of that, like uh, like, uh, like a white person in yoga pants being like, Namaste. 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 It, I think it is. <laughs> I think it very much is. That's a fucking bumper sticker now, so I would absolutely say that. <laughs> did did uh did people come up to them at punk shows and be like, "Man, I love Bad Brains." Yes. Okay. That I absolutely so. happened to yeah. them multiple times, and I have like I love the Bad Brains, and I have I this shirt. Love Bad Brains. And every time they see me wear it, they bring up all the times that like white people at shows would talk to them about the. They, I mean, I don't give them a pass for homophobia, but like I, <laughs> I like Bad Brains. Me too. Me too. And uh, the other. Yeah, I think they they well, know better now. Maybe if they brought up like pure hell, pure hell. That's right. Or death. Yeah, or death. Then like, whoa! I love lamb's bread. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> the post death reggae band. <laughs> I still have not listened to them. Personally. I can I can actually see my friends listening to lamb's bread. I would. I like reggae. Uh, so we get like a guru creep montage, and we get this weird. We sure as fuck do. I love this shot of this like weird white guru guys. Talking to this 20-year-old, and he's like... If I was a 20-year-old girl, I would love hanging out with you. You follow me? I would just love it. He's the new teacher of this age of this world. He's having sex with all the young girls. He cannot be a real guru. Why not? He's the one who has the answer. That's what I believe. What could be more fabulous than having sex with a really spiritual, mystical person? It's cut to all the times he's talking about sex. It sure is. But this white guru dude is coming off like, like a walking boner. <laughs> She's sexy. Huh? Fucking sexy, yeah. Huh? Oh, absolutely. And he's like, does sex really negate the guru experience? Does, does having sex with your guru really make your experience less valid? Uh, Everyone fuck their guru. Every, everybody fuck their guru. And by their guru, I mean If me. the guru doesn't fuck you... Is that on you? Because if the if fucking your guru 
expands the experience and it seems like it's the guru's duty to fuck each and every person no matter who they are how they feel about them whatever gender if it's really that spiritually connecting that guru owes it to fuck absolutely every single person damn straight i mean i think that's one of the reasons i didn't join the moonies would would sun young moon have the time to have sex with me and my partner i doubt it yeah come on Come literally, come on. If I'm gonna take a third into my relationship, I'm not gonna try to like jostle with thousands of other people for rank. So um, Vikram goes to India to see how the gurus are there. He doesn't appear to like them any better. They don't <laughs> seem to be really any better. Basically talking shit about other gurus. Yeah, and how like, they don't get it right. I think the guru documenting like. Like a zine documenting the guru, mm. sh the shade between gurus would be very funny <laughs> to read. And I don't, I don't exactly know how legit uh, Indian Hinduism views the entire guru cottage industry. You know, it's like a Hinduism is like a like a, a eighty part manga. It's like okay, it really is. I want, I do want to know everything. I love the art. The art of Hin of the Hindu religion is fantastic. Mm -hmm. The carvings. We have a Ganesha temple in town. It's beautiful. I've always wanted to go in there. You know, I've thought about it. Of course they'd let us in. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, right? We'd just be like, can we just see around? Maybe have someone explain, uh, uh, Hindu-splain to us what everything is in their temple. Well, but it wouldn't be Hindu-splaining because they wouldn't be explaining things we already knew. They'd be like telling us a bunch of new shit we've never heard before, probably. That's, that's true. Oh, true. That is what this the the thing splaining would be right yeah absolutely so I Vic just mansplained that to you <laughs> you did just mansplain <laughs> that but it was a mansplain that was like you were reminding me of something I already knew so you were almost like a guru mansplaining it was like guru splaining absolutely yeah, you were guru splaining so Vikram decides to pretend to be a guru and he imitates his grandmother and it gets into it real quickly. He does, man. It starts out, he goes to Phoenix, Arizona, because this is where he decides to do it. Because I, they are more ready for his message, I believe. You can't see the air quotes, but yeah. I'm making them. You're right. And Phoenix is a pretty big town, so sure. it's, a, it's a good place to like draw in a lot of people. Mm -hmm. He also did, you also see a montage of him doing the guru bit in India, too. And it seems to work just as well. Which is interesting. So he starts this place, and at first it's like a he has a partner who I think is in on it, right? Yeah, uh, two ladies. One of them seems to be uh, another Indian lady who also puts on an Indian accent mm. for her customers. I don't believe she's from India. I think she's like one of his friends from America. Yeah, yeah. And then a white lady who teaches yoga. Yeah. She's like a legit yoga instructor. So it's very quickly in which... Vikram's, he's calling himself Kumare, in which his yoga studio or his yogi guru studio immediately starts to look like a Paul Simon concert, right? <laughs> it does. It really starts to pack in very quickly. So he starts to meet all these people. My notes are kind of all over the place because I'm finding that I'm writing down like what people's emotional reactions are. Yeah. My, my notes don't come off. It, they are technically linear as I'm receiving it. But they don't read that way. No. But one of the ladies that he initially talks to, who's looking for something, some kind of spiritual fulfillment, she's a death penalty attorney. What your job is? I'm a death penalty attorney. Oh! 
I'm the one who, at the last minute, tries to call the governor to save the life of my client who's going to be killed by the government. Okay. You need someone to be that one who calls your governor to save you. Yeah. Can you teach me? Ooh, yeah. And this is Arizona, so you can imagine this is just a dead-end kind of hopeless position. But bless this lady. With yeah, absolutely. That You think that you're that he's going to attract a bunch of airheaded hippies, mm. which, full disclosure, he does. Sure. There are a few out there, but you had Life, who's like a, who has a master's in sociology, you know, who we see later, and you have, what was her name, Jody, the death penalty attorney? Yeah, I think so. I didn't get her name. She sees darkness all the time. I mean, she's talking about how she needs some kind of balance. She's seeking some kind of peace some way to uh make peace with the stress of her job and the the pain of watching people you get attached to die on a regular basis you know i was so prepared to just start making fun of people in this documentary and then we meet jody the death penalty attorney and i immediately just want her to get whatever she's looking for because, absolutely because of what she does her selfless job it's so much more important than like you know most jobs you'll hear about so. yeah but Kumare, which we'll just call him Kumare, mm -hmm. until he reveals himself, he admits he has no idea what he's doing. He's making shit up as he goes along. Uh, he he gives them a chant to sing that just says, Kumare, Kumare, Kumare. Kumare, Kumare, Kumare. I kept inventing my own spiritual jargon. He's also teaching them yoga poses, which is basically like a Pete Townsend guitar yeah, strum, yeah. <laughs> the windmill. Y'all know what that is. Um, one of them is a yoga pose where they're doing like, this is the church, this is the steeple sort of thing, <laughs> and like raising it up into the air, but it's their middle finger. <laughs> Clasping their hands and flipping the bird to the heavens, which I appreciate it, actually. I like it. And anytime, okay, anytime you see somebody using uh their ethnicity to pull something off on white people yeah like turning their own racism and orientalism against themselves mm. it's hilarious but it starts to become a little less hilarious when you meet people like jody yeah or like also when you're around people repeatedly uh -huh. you start to connect with them you're like look these people are kooky but they're not bad people. they actually fucking need something because their <laughs> lives are hard i liked it when uh the lady was wearing the mickey mouse pennant and he pretended to not know who Mickey Mouse is. <laughs> this symbol is your religion symbol? No, no, it's just Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I'm sure if you were fucking in India, like half, at least half the population would be able to identify uh -huh. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Absolutely, one of the most, uh, one of the most trafficked cartoon images in the entire world. Right, the like the uh, one of the the most American things that pops into people's head. And meanwhile, while I'm watching this, I get a Facebook ad for a journal called The Monk Manual. The Monk? What is that? Uh, it's supposed to, uh, I suppose, track your spiritual development. Mm. And so I think Facebook is listening to my uh, spirituality documentary and then trying to sell me spirituality at the same time. So yeah, it's there's a fourth dimension to this whole to this whole guru thing, you know. Oh, now you're going to get books on the fourth dimension. You know I am, absolutely. You'll probably read them. <laughs> probably. So, are, they on audio, are they on audiobook format? Because I would totally I'm sure check they, that out. I'm sure they are. Of course you get 
different type. You get the aura reader lady who's telling him about his aura. Of course. Pam is the past life psychic. She sees all kinds of things. She's like, it's your turn to be here. Oh, and she also references the Archangel Metatron. You know you know that dude. Yeah, the the ancient Hindu god Metatron. Is that a real thing? No. <laughs> I don't think so. I thought it was like a transformer. Yeah, I'm no, that's a I'm trying to remember who Metatron was, but I believe it is one of the uh Let me look it up. One of the angels in uh Western spirituality who was not one of the good ones, I don't think. In folklore and this is the, the an initial wiki search. Mm-hmm. And folkloristic, is that a word? I mean, it's <laughs> a yeah, folkloristic there's... tradition. He is the highest of the angels and serves as the celestial scribe or recording angel in Jewish Apocrypha and early Kabbalah. Oh, Me- that's right. Metatron is the name that Enoch received as for after his transformation into an angel. Good to know. Oh, damn. Metatron is Enoch, the man who walked with God and then was no more. Yeah. He uh he was one of the first people to be I suppose raptured or taken up in a flaming chariot without dying. And the first transformer. And the first transformer. Mm-hmm. I think he transformed into a burning bush, something like that. Yes. Kumare, he kind of reminds me of like a guest spot on a Parks and Rec episode. <laughs> I suppose so, Like yeah. the whole like natural humor of the whole scenario. Definitely. It kind of reminds me of that scene. But he meets an Emily. And Emily is immediately, he talks about how people very quickly open up to him. Mm-hmm. And I think this adds on to his own guilt. And then there was Emily, who very quickly began to confide in me about her personal life. Remember, I have a husband too. Okay. He's, he's a polarity of me. So it's hard when it's hard when you can't reflect one another. But Emily is very flirty with him. <laughs> I would love to know him even more, but I don't. You know, this is just my impression of you know, a couple hours here and there. It's okay. Thank okay. you. Okay. She is so into him. And she's like and she talks about her husband being a polarity of her like there's just something like that they're they repel each other in certain she's ways she's been trying to make it work for a long time she says we only see one side of this failing relationship i think uh it's hard to say like maybe the husband's like i don't know trying and she's like your polarity like he keeps she i can imagine he's trying to make i can picture someone trying to do a bunch of stuff like Hey, maybe we should go out to dinner. You want to see a movie? And she just constantly is bringing up the polarity. No, nah, the polarity, man. The polarity, the though. polarity. I want to watch Beauty and the Beast, and you want to watch... My spirit child is saying we should not do that. <laughs> so she is straight up in love with him. And the thing is, people are being drawn to him. Mm. And he is straight up saying what he is the entire time. That's true. He grew out his beard. He got an ohm staff. Yep. Like a staff with the symbol on it, you know? Which like, is kind of cool. It's really fucking great. Uh, if I took anything, I'd take that. Damn straight. He's wearing an orange robe, and he's got a long necklace on, and he speaks in an Indian accent, which he learned from his grandmother. But aside from that, he's just like... Basically, I was just telling everybody I was fake. This whole thing like a show, right? Oh, this one, this guy in a dress looking this, all show. If, I'm a, if you need a guru... I guess I'm a guru to you, but you need to be your own guru. You need to find the guru in yourself. This is all an illusion. I am a fake. This is all a show. 
I am like a director. He's kind of just telling them. And they're like, oh my god, he's so humble. Wow, he's got this. And in a way, it is kind of great because as white people have been doing for a very long time, they are projecting their own desires onto this guru. He's almost a Rorschach test because he's always handing the questions back to them. Yes. Who do you believe? What does your inner guru say? And he is, in a way, playing off of white people's fascination with the exotic East. We saw a lot of that in the 60s, obviously. Mm. We see a lot of it now with a lot of like rich white people doing yoga. We see a lot of it with corporations trying to appropriate mindfulness to make people work harder for them (laughs) (laughs) that's fucked up it really is but there's a you know edward saeed wrote a beautiful very long book about the history of the east and the middle east especially and uh like the very south part of asia like india and pakistan right and how the study of the east had mostly been interpreted through the lens of Europeans and Americans. That Europeans and Americans had a um, monopoly on the study of the East. So everything we know about like ancient Egypt and ancient India and the ancient Middle East... It's filtered through British rule. It's filtered through British rule. It's filtered through German rule, through French rule. Yeah. And through American rule, especially with the likes of Henry Kissinger... Oh, that dude will not die. Mythologizing Mm. what ancient Egypt used to be. And then when they actually meet people from the East, when they meet people from North Africa, and when they meet people from Asia, they assign some sort of, like, mystical role onto their religion. We kind of tend to, especially in this case, uh, mythologize and lift up Africa. Sure. In a way, we... After we've rubbed our Euro penis all over it? Absolutely. Like, we mythologize a lot of African religions. We appropriate it for cubism. And we look on India like some beautiful, mystical place when maybe a lot... I'm sure a lot of people are, but they also have the caste system. They also have massive server farms. Right. They also have gross inequality. There's like a massive workers' movement going on right now. And also, they are doing a fuck ton of uh, suppression of Islam in the country Yeah, right now. And so, we kind of assign some spiritual, some spiritual element to Indian exports and Indian immigrants that often they just don't have. So, all this guy had to do was put on a robe, put on a necklace, grow out his hair and beard... And then speaking his grandmother's accent, and then everyone's like, oh shit, he's so spiritual. And he's not saying anything of a sort. You know, they projected their own desires onto him. I think this is a part of like reactionary liberalism. Like reactionary <laughs> conservatism, right? Will look at other cultures, not understand it, and then judge it, be racist against it, <laughs> That's dehum- true. dehumanize it in that uh-huh. respect, be like, I don't want to go there. What's that right there? Well, uh-huh. They don't have three TVs in their house? God, that we're so free, much freer than they are. <laughs> but I think sometimes reactionary liberals will look at that, look at some, like, like you said, this is a society like India, and then like... They dehumanize it in a whole different way. Like, they over-spiritualize it. Mm -hmm. They kind of make these people, like, 
above what it is, even though they might be suffering in ways you don't even understand. Uh-huh. It's like complete polar opposites when the reality is like you are dehumanizing when you like put them up onto some grand celestial level. But of course, because then you end up putting them down when they don't live up to your expectations, Exactly, which is what, uh, and we know what that's like living in Nashville. I mean, that was one of the things that Napoleon did. This was covered in Orientalism as well. When he went down to Egypt, he was trying to rebuild Egypt to its former glory because he thought that it had been decrepit because he had this idea of what ancient Egypt was and should be. And he was very disappointed in the people who didn't live up to that. I mean, we also do that with our indigenous indigenous American culture. Oh, my God. Now yeah. that we've compl- now that um, colonialism has completely wiped their ass with the history of the American Native American. Now we it's almost like a weird guilt coping mechanism to turn <laughs> all these native americans into like magicians in our minds or some bullshit we come we come from a very long line of people especially bobby who have dubious claims to to native american heritage (laughs) i don't oh i have no claim i I know you don't but you were a southern boy you're right that's right scotch irish ancestry probably Mm -hmm, and i'm sure there's plenty of people in your family who are like oh yeah i got indian in my blood yes that's true it's definitely more people claim that than really are. And... Absolutely. Or are willing to share in the struggle of lifting people up. But, and... they ha- but Johnny, they have that picture on their wall of like a... Geronimo. A feathered plains Indian mm-hmm. man with like a wolf head in the moon in the sky. Right? Yeah, they've got the t-shirt of Geronimo's face with a American and Confederate flag on behind them <laughs> with wolves howling from clifftops. God, he just brought me back to the 90s rural 90s it's fucking mystical experience that shirt (laughs) it's so dumb that it's entertaining but now that they're gone and pretty much wiped out except for a few small pockets and in the gene pool of like the broader south we get to decide what they are now and we get to portray them as peaceful people who have a beautiful the heritage and sure. spirituality and we get to participate in their spirituality without sharing in any of the burden of trying to make reparations for what we've done to them. We yeah, we don't have we don't have to deal with like the results of uh their the conflict that they have to mm-hmm. deal with. And now that the Japanese internment camps are over, we all get to decide we're Buddhists. <laughs> Let's talk about Daryl, the acoustic theologist. By the way, you can subscribe to an Eastern religion in a respectful way, I believe. But but it just takes knowledge and understanding. Most of the shit these hippies are doing is not it. Mm. I mean, it's no wonder they connect to a guy who's making it up as they go along. <laughs> He's letting them make it up as they go along. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Uh, Daryl, uh, they didn't give his last name. He is in... This <laughs> word just makes me want to die. Acoustic theologist. In the Bible, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word is vibration, sound, okay? God is sound. The sound that intoxicates, the sound that's bliss and ecstasy. That's what I teach people, to find the sound in their body. Yeah, man. First of all, the Word is theologian, you illiterate hippie. (laughs) 
theologist is not a thing. He should go do a session at the Ryman. The acoustics there are amazing. <laughs> so he believes in the beginning there was sound, and he spoke it into existence. So everything is sound, and his spiritual theologism is to uh, <laughs> help people find their own, I guess if you're going to borrow from the Tim and Eric show, heart moans. <laughs> Heart moans. To find, that's, I don't think that's a word he used, but to find <laughs> their own natural vibration. Yeah. And okay, if you want to be romantic about the Judeo-Christian faith, it's cool. I like the idea. Well, this dude, like, uh, busting out the didgeridoo, Kamare is laying on the ground. Uh, there's a lot of grunting, there's tuning forks. So much grunting, so much fondling, so much of like that he's, Indian loincloth thing that he yeah. wraps around himself in place of underwear. He's buffing, he buffs him at some point. He, yeah, with a legit, like, it looks like a car buffer, like when you're buffing out the wax on your car. Yeah. It's in a, it's I think in that's a, what it is. He's not like... You know, just like rubbing him down by hand with this powdery thing. He's legit like putting an electric buffer to the top of his head, to his chest, to his back. Ah, keep the breath going. Yeah, um, ah, that's good. Good, good. Ah. Pure pleasure. Breathe it up. Ah, joy and divine bliss, which is our birthright. The whole thing is a little bit erotic. If you just closed your eyes and just listened, you'd think they were fucking. Yeah. I had goosebumps coming all over my arms. As soon as I would look at him or connect with the energy, it would just go all over me. And why wouldn't you? I mean, I, I watched it with my eyes open, I, and I wasn't totally unconvinced that they weren't fucking... Mm -hmm. It was implied. And then Daryl, they cuddle at the end, too. Uh, Daryl, mm -hmm. uh, he says, you know, I used to be enthralled with the sounds of sound instead of the sound of sound. Yeah. That's some deep shit, Johnny. You Holy gotta fuck. That's just... So, um, Kumare is painting penises on dudes' heads, and he has them concentrating. I on... thought that looked like a wiener. Yeah, I think he admits that it is. And he has, at one point, he has this dude concentrate on three pictures. One is of him, the other is of Barack Obama, and the other is of Osama <laughs> Bin Laden. Osama Bin Laden. I love that triptych. <laughs> it's... There's so much going on there. There's a lot of there's a lot of subtext to those three images. You know, Morgan Spurlock wishes he could get away with this. That's... I think Morgan. I can see Morgan Spurlock. Watching this movie and being jealous. Mm-hmm. I kind of wished I could get away with it, too. But if I tried to put on my Danish grandpa's accent, they'd be like, who's this weird European guy who somehow doesn't know how to speak English? <laughs> they would not see me as spiritual. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because I would be using a Western European accent. Yeah. They don't project... We don't project the same spirituality onto Western Europe or Northern Europe that we do onto India. Maybe just say you're from South Africa or something. I think, you know, the Americans would probably piece together the rest. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I could probably just say some shit and get away with it. So Emily comes back flirting hard with Kamari. <laughs> I love your house. 
You like my bedroom? Yeah. <laughs> You're making me have some ins- inspired. I'm totally inspired. She's basically saying her marriage is over. I feel like I've been forcing my marriage to work for a long time and forcing and fighting. Do you remember that person you were when you first meeting your husband? Was it someone different? You? Mm. No? I don't even believe in marriage. He's not the same. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I don't want to be there. Mm. I want to go. <laughs> so. Do you feel uh, alone without a man in your life? No, I never did. So, um, I get to do whatever I want now. (laughs) What do you think? What do you feel? And you could tell that Kumare is, uh, feels a little awkward about this situation. Apparently she goes to California within a week, though. She doesn't stick around. She does. She does. And he's like, I wanted to tell her to stay with her husband and make it work out. I mean, he doesn't know the situation. The guy could be terrible. She could be terrible. And he might be better off without her. Who knows? Yeah. So but pe- she's not... She's pretty young. I'm she sure. is young. You know, maybe... You know, uh, don't get married till you're in your 30s. That's always been my advice. Honestly, I think that's... I would have fucked things up so bad in my 20s. Oh, totally. 100%. So, people are getting very personal with him. Telling, like, a lot of terrible stories. People are confessing to extreme addictions. One dude's talking about how he injected cocaine and was doing crack and his marriage almost ended. The movie starts to transition from, like, isn't this silly, isn't this goofy, to, like, him just kind of having to balance the guilt... Of being a known fake. Because people are really using this to, in one way or another, transform their lives. Yeah. They really trust him, and he's like, hey, don't trust me. Trust your inner guru, because Kumare, what did that mean again? I can't remember. It was something divine. I'm pretty sure it was divine child. He has them um, sit across from each other in rows, cross-legged, and sing Kumare to each other. Yeah. Which means divine child, and he's telling them... And this is where I actually kind of fall in line with his theology a little bit because he's legit telling them to see the image of God in other people. And I dig that. I think we would be in a much better place if we saw a divine spark in other human beings. You saw yourself at this Paul Simon concert at that moment. I saw myself at this Paul Simon you're, concert. You're yelling, play, you can call me Al. But also... uh I'm kind of thinking about uh, Hare Krishna as well. A lot of the things are saying the fact that uh, Krishna comes in many different forms, and they uh, it just fits so well with actual conservative spirituality in the United States that a lot of hippies started uh, flocking to it, and I think we're kind of seeing it there as well, like mm. seeing the divine human in each other, you know? Yeah. One with the Judeo-Christian values that mankind was created in the image of God or humankind. Right. And also with the uh, the ideas of the Enlightenment, you know, humanism, like everyone has a spark of the divine in them or everyone has innate human dignity. It just fits so well with our culture that it didn't really cause, it didn't shock anybody what he was saying. He wasn't asking them to do anything that was specifically hard. Mm. And he wasn't... Uh, 
he wasn't really telling them to give anything up unless they already felt they needed to give it up. I'll, I'll talk about this more later on, but there is something... I have a theory in, in, in which how they're drawn to him is uh, a much more sincere experience than if he was an actual guy who thought he was an actual guru. Like, That's it's a totally true. different experience. That is absolutely true. But we go, but Kamari also is going to other places in which they do spirituality, new age kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Avalon Gardens at the Be Aware Festival. And I like the sisters who are like, we're from different planets. We're from, like, Avalon, the Avalon universe or some shit like that. <laughs> and he meets Gabriel, who is a Urantian. The Urantians, Johnny. The, the UFO dudes. They're a self-sustaining group who are into UFO worship. They're the, you know the Urantians. I don't think I do, actually. I mean, I saw them in the dock, but I didn't know anything about them before. I mean, that book is really thick, but Urantia, it's basically like uh, spirituality through this notion that... I'm explaining something I really don't know anything about. <laughs> I just know it's all about aliens... Gabriel claimed to have been physically taken taken onto an alien spacecraft. Is he the Archangel Gabriel? Maybe. Is this kind of a more controlling version of the Unarians? It does seem like it. Yeah. There have been reports that this guy, that they are a cult in the sense that he takes their goods. He takes everything from them, yeah. But they're looking for a more self-sustaining environment separate from what they say is the capitalist system. Which, um, I mean, I get that desire... But um, I like the idea. Tried it once. But uh, but at the same time, like I don't know. I think um, you know you want to defeat it, not pocket yourself away from <laughs> it, or at least try. Isn't that the truth? But that was that was the problem of the hippies in the first place. Mm. Was it was the tune in, turn on, drop out. Yeah, sort of generation. So I definitely they just kind of tried to build a new society by themselves, and instead of catching on throughout the entire world, uh, just they all kind of fell apart and usually turned into cults, right? Or uh, joined fundamentalist Christianity. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, the boomers so sold us out. They sure as fuck did, man. So Kumare starts to talk about Vikram. Remember, that's his real name, Vikram Gandhi, and how Vikram was living in a disguise and did not know he was a teacher. Mm. So this is mm, him okay. being like, look, this is... And somebody goes... Talking about himself. And somebody, one of the students goes... Because a certain tree bears a certain fruit. Their actions, what they do, their service. Yes. Mm-hmm. To others, how they treat others. That's what I hear. And then the story you're telling me, I think you're talking about yourself. I think you're Vikram. But Vikram, or Kumare... Um, at this point says that he felt like he was feeling it this time yeah. which is we're going joseph smith territory now yeah we're yeah. flirting with the joseph smith territory starting to believe his own press so we meet a Teresa, who met this guy or she had a calling to go for to africa for the children yeah she's showing this on her like white savior vision board they all made vision boards which are these collages of what they wanted for their life uh now you are she wanted to help them and teach them and feed them and teach them how to live a good life what they what africa needs is more colonial presence am i right absolutely yeah i think what you know the problem with Africa? There's not enough missionaries. There's not enough white people hugging children. Yeah. 
Um, I think we need to carve the countries up more based on whose missionaries are going there. We need uh, safe sp- safe spaces in Africa where wealthy, privileged white women can go hug all the children, like a specific zone. Because Lord knows middle-aged white women with bad haircuts know how to live. They figured this shit out. As a collage artist, how would you rate her uh, vision boards? Oh, it's fucking garbage. <laughs> They are pretty bad, like Teresa. You can... Her use of negative space is very accidental. Yeah. She p- segregates all the Africans together in the bottom left of the board. <laughs> wow, subconsciously se- separating the Africans. Somehow Teresa. she got a non-white guy to marry her. I don't fucking get that. I mean, if, if, if the Africans were incorporated into her daily life and consciousness, then she wouldn't feel so special going over there and hugging them. That's true. That is absolutely true. But that's she where... didn't even she didn't even give the regular like uh, the typical response of like this whole time I thought I was teaching them, but really they were teaching me. <laughs> she didn't even go that far. She's no. like, I wanted to help them, and then I married this guy. Yeah, and didn't you get the vibe that like her and her husband were open to going threesies with uh, <laughs> Kumare? I think so. They go to a law where this big big stocky dudes teaching this seminar. And this is all the kabam. The law of attraction is your mood or feelings or vibration create your reality. Who wants to say kabam for me? Let's, let's, let's build some energy up. Ready? I'll say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Kabam! This vibe's like a multi-level marketing combined with spirituality. But it's just the actualization. It's like they, there's a thousand books that's just talking about actualization, the secret, blah, blah, blah. It's the same shit mm-hmm. over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Actualize it in your mind. If you actually pursue something, sometimes it actually happens. What a thought. Uh, that is actually true. I'm, I've been reading uh, William James' uh, Varieties of Religious Experience. And one of them was talking about how people um, don't really have religious experiences until they start searching for them and he's saying that it doesn't necessarily make that less valid but there is something that happens to the brain where you try to find a solution we've all had this we're trying to find where we lost something we're searching for it for hours and then we finally forget about it we're laying in bed and then we like all of a sudden jolt awake because we remember where we kabam 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 we remember where we lost this thing yeah we remember where we put it and he was talking about that, especially with people who had uh, religious experiences within American Christianity, especially the Jonathan Edwards generation, which was what he was dealing with, the Great Awakening stuff, um, where people would search and search and search and search and search for spirituality. But then when they finally forget about it, their brain kind of, they find the religious experience that they were looking for. So you have to try first, but then you kind of have to give up. Yeah. They call it cerebration, I suppose. I don't know if that's still part of uh, modern psychology, but I I like the idea. So they're all start they're all kind of starting to manifest the spiritual experience that they were looking for. You see this kind of shit combined, especially on social media, by these people who self describe themselves as uh, influencers who want to inspire people, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you see this all the time. In which, like, I think there's something about when people get success or they get some money in their pocket Mm -hmm. then they have to and i don't know how they get that money whether it be inherited or they worked 
or whatever mm-hmm. uh, that they're almost that suddenly the spirituality turns up. There's something about <laughs> there's something about how they have to connect their success with their spirituality, like a, like a new, like Joel Osteen, but not as rigid Christianity, <laughs> something like that. In which, but it all becomes like this narcissistic justification for why they are so special. Yeah, absolutely. Because no one in in our society can just sit there and say like. I'm just lucky. Uh, I managed to work this out. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't manage to work this out. But instead of thinking about uh, how I can help people who have less, mm-hmm. I have to just make this all about a spirit, my own personal spiritual journey to justify uh, my bank account, my yep. cars, yep. whatever I have. It's not just that I just spend this money. It's that like I was ordained and kabam kabam damn straight absolutely so you know like we we covered that with uh when we were talking about the secret in that one uh documentary about the sweat lodge yeah the creed right. guy yeah yeah the guy who murdered people the guy who practically killed people and it's, yes absolutely we kind of talked about that in the borehole episode on culture rod as well where a lot of americans just cannot admit that they got lucky they had to connect it with hard work mm-hmm. and if they can't prove it they have to make it spiritual mm-hmm. or whereas least... in england they're like yeah i grew up privileged like we went yeah. to boarding school and we had a lot of stuff that other people didn't yes and they were willing to at least admit that they had it easy a little bit and we just can't fucking do that so we have to prescribe it to god so Kamari's going around to people's houses doing like little there's one point where he's on the floor with the defense attorney lady and like they're pretending like they're scuba diving like they're wearing masks and stuff that was quite wonderful it just looks like like they're it just looks like they're goofing around having a good time which is great and i think some of them even know that on a on some level kamari keeps trying to teach people that they he they, they don't need gurus and that he's like everyone else and of course, the, it's they just piece the puzzle where it is. And I'm like, oh my god, he's just so he's so humble. We meet a Kimberly who's like, she's going through like an empty nest syndrome. Her kids have left the house. She's looking for more within herself. She's been divorced for twenty years. She's done things for other people for so long that she feels guilty when she does anything for herself. Kind of a very, you know, I, I did connect with some people in here like people do just seem to be general genuinely nice just looking for something it's true like most of them were pretty normal there was that one weird hippie lady who you know had the white savior vision board didn't like her pretty much everyone else was okay yeah yeah everything everyone else is fine even the young girl emily was just she was dissatisfied with her marriage you could tell so we're getting to the point in which vikram wants to confess that he's Kumare or whatever Kumari confesses mm-hmm. Vikram. They're about to have an unveiling. An unveiling, but the thing is, uh, Kumare, Kumare is conscious that he he's playing a role. He's conscious that he's playing this up. You can see him deal deal with the balance of guilt. At first, it's like almost like a Sasha Baron Cohen bit, and then it's like, oh shit, these people are actually kind of nice. Yeah, they're looking for something. They're harmless. I'm making like actual human connections with mm-hmm. them. But the thing is, other gurus, like it doesn't seem like he's trying to take their money. Emily wants to fuck him, but he knows, especially because he's on camera, 
and that, he doesn't want to be like those other piece of shit gurus that even if we're doing that. Even if he wants to hook up, he's like, I can't really just pretend I'm someone else. And... I saw a little bit of mirroring in his. Uh... Yeah, 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 but. I mean, it, you know, it's hard not to flirt in that scenario, I'm it sure. It is, it is. But, like, ultimately he could not. I mean, as far as I know, he could have hooked up off camera. I have no idea. But the thing yeah, is... Yeah, he could have hooked up with all of them. I had goosebumps coming all over my arms. As soon as I would look at him or connect with the energy, it would just go all over me. Kabam! But he's also extremely conscious of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So, like, like, a regular guru would be like, hey, give me some money. Yeah, let's go fuck. Yeah, let's do this. Also, a regular guru would be like, I am the center here. Just do... But he's not <laughs> He's not being like that. He's balancing no. uh, his desire to accomplish this task, but he's also wanting to break it to them. He, it's almost, The whole process is him like trying to let them down gently in terms of what he truly is so that he can... He's protecting himself. In some ways, it's a cop out when we get to the and end. He's he is, but he's also trying to like build it up to this point where like you are your own guru. You have to find your own inner guru. This is an illusion. I am a fake. I am not who I say I am. Mm-hmm. And that's how he starts the unveiling. You know, like I am not who you say I am. But if he was like, I am the guru. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could explain that any more than. You are your own guru. I don't know what either of them mean that much of. <laughs> because is he just basically saying just, just find your own way? Go be Gnostic about it, you know, I guess? I think so. I mean, in the end, all he was doing was just being a glorified self-help speaker. Yeah, yeah. That's That's all it is. It was just taking your average psychology self-help book or your average psychology self-help seminar, or uh, Jediism, yeah, and just putting an Indian accent on it. Yeah. That's literally it. Even in his sincere moments in which he wants them to kind of see through what he's doing, mm-hmm. he's still kind of not really knowing what he's talking about. Not a damn clue, and he's hoping they do. So he sits down, and he's preparing to confess, and he's freaking the fuck out, getting emotional in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then he sits down... And he says, I am not who you think I am. This is the scene we see at the very beginning of the movie. And then he, he's like, I want us all to have true self-confessionals. He never drops the accent. He says a good by prayer. He could not properly unveil. All he really had to do was drop the accent and talk like a dude from Jersey. That was it. But he couldn't stomach it. And then, he, and then you see him going home. And then it cuts to 40 days later. And we're getting people talking about their Kumari testimonies, how they miss him. He's catching up on. They see one of the one of the ladies doing the Pete Townsend strum yoga pose in her front yard, <laughs> which was pretty awesome. Uh, like, and you see that Vikram is still experiencing this guilt. So we also are watching um, Vikram cutting his Kumari beard, starting to shave it all mm-hmm. off. And um, so, and while it's going through this. We see the class sitting and watching uh, Kumare on like a film. And on the film, he admits that he was born in New Jersey. So there you go. And I feel, and you mm. kind of see people slightly reacting to that. And then he's like, the guru is inside of you. And then he starts to walk up as the video ends. Then um, Vikram Gandhi, the actual Vikram Gandhi, walks in. He's totally shaved. 
and he comes up, he has no accent. Hello, gurus. My name is Vikram, and my ideal self is Kumari. connection with real people he did that's a positive thing as a fake person as a fake person but he's still trying to kind of like butter it uh-huh. he's still uh-huh. he's still trying to find he wants to do the like oh i i was the i thought i was fake teaching them but they were fake teaching me <laughs> but yes. really even in your in your desire <laughs> to get something out of it as much as they did you still don't know what you're talking about as you're trying to lay this down gently and preserve some measure of friendship to guard yourself against their feelings of betrayal, you still don't know what you're talking about. But people walk up and they start hugging Vikram. One lady leaves. Um, A few leave. Yeah, and that sucks, you know, because they were fucking lied to. I mean, you can't blame they them. They were straight up lied to. And uh, some are, and, but some still talk to him. Others don't respond to his emails. Apparently, Teresa does not respond. The vision board lady does not respond to the emails. Good. But her husband does. Yeah. But uh, out of the 14 in that group, uh, apparently 10, uh, 10 of them still communicate with them as the actual Vikram Gandhi. And some even... Uh, well, first of all, he unveils himself and they start clapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People start right. clapping. And like he shows up shaved with his hair just chin length brushed back and it's a fucking weird experience and one lady's even like that was the ultimate teaching you just turned it around <laughs> i kind of thought it would be something like that when it was finally unveiled you but know? also like i don't know if they're paying to be part of this it's a good question i don't know if he's asking for their money or if he just donated his time if he donated his time that's a lot better if they're like moving an I think he met maybe some of these people in Phoenix. Maybe. It seems like or he's got some money. in Tucson, and he uh, he moved to, They might have moved to Phoenix to be around him. or done a lot of traveling. Maybe. I don't know how much money people have sunk into this experience to be around him. I don't know if he was taking their money, but it seems like he's got money. Or at least uh, he has uh, producers that are yeah. very helpful. Yeah, yeah. He he got a house with a fucking pool. It's a very nice place. He got a house. And I know there's a lot of, like, spiritualist stuff uh, out in the desert, you know. That's true. So I know New Mexico's yeah. big on this kind of stuff. He got, he goes to Tucson for, like, different events and stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, one lady. I mean, people really legitimately change their lives, and maybe not even for the better. Like, that one lady left her husband. Yeah, Emily. Straight up fucking left her husband. But uh, it seemed like, you know, if she thinks it's dead, it's probably for the best, truly. That's that's true. But it, it that might be hard to live with if you have a moment of regret. Yeah, it's just that we don't know <laughs> if she's just being completely self-absorbed or using someone. That's true. But And hopefully she has the wisdom to look back and realize the moments when she's dumb. But, um, but sometimes people kind of use this kind of thing to guard themselves from looking back and 
criticizing themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So, I don't know. I don't I don't know what to think about the people who walked out and I guess, you know, it's in the end he really did give about 10 people an excuse to really trust themselves, to trust what they need out of life, to trust the changes they need to make, to start exercising, to start being healthier, to not shoot up cocaine anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like there's there is a lot that happened that was positive. And um, now, and now that he's revealed his true self, he can fuck him if he wants. That's I think. Yeah. Because he's not a guru anymore. No, no. So, yeah, he's there, the guru. It's just guru on guru. So I want to know if Emily moved back from California and they got it on, or... <laughs> yeah, we need a documentary on Emily now. <laughs> just Emily. <laughs> Talking about polarity. To be honest, it would be it would have been more interesting to see the personal changes that happened in these people's lives. Mm-hmm. And this may be when I may have to go deeper into this when I decide how many Herzogs to give this. Well, we're we are pretty much there, Johnny. We're getting close. When we judge documentaries, we use our Herzog rating system. You're gonna give this one through five Herzogs. I'm gonna give it one through five Herzogs combined for best out of ten, and that is the rating of the movie from now to forever. Johnny, what did you think of Kumare by Vikram Gandhi? Uh, I mean, as a fun story, you could probably give it a four. Because it it's really it's really entertaining it to is. watch. It's colorful. It's hilarious. There are moments that are true comedy, but That's there's absolutely. a human interest side where people really, in some sense, are getting their needs met out of this and continue to out of their, like, through their continued friendship with Vikram Gandhi, who was now out as not a guy from india Mm. he's an american right just a regular dude who didn't know what he was fucking doing and gave them this wizard of oz moment where you know the it was in them all along Mm. maybe the true kumare was the friends they met along the way kind (laughs) of a situation yeah and so it's fun it's great uh as the documentary it didn't go deep enough into these people's lives most of the uh most of it was about Kumare himself. So he created, as a sketch bit, it's hilarious. But as a documentary, in a way, it's kind of like the red pill where it focuses on the actual person making it more than the subjects. The indigo pill? <laughs> we call it the indigo pill? We can call it got indigo the pill. guru pill. The guru pill. So in that... In that sense, as a documentary, and maybe give it two and a half. It's fun, but, like, I didn't learn much. As entertainment, it's great. But if you want to learn something, you'd be you'd be just as well off watching The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it is kind of the same story. It is the same story. Like, you got courage along the journey. You didn't need a... What part of the... You didn't need that wonderful... The wonderful wizard was in you. Absolutely. I I did also find this very entertaining. I felt like it was interesting. I feel like there's a um, there's a there's a point where it feels like Vikram, especially in the six nine documentary that we discussed, like he tried to make it about like like the price of fame or trolling or something like that. But in reality, what, I think what he missed about that movie was that it was about how like credibility and clout truly don't really mean anything in popular hip hop music. 
as much as people act like it does. Really? It means something until it doesn't, and then it means less than shit. (laughs) It's like a tool on the way. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the thing that Kumare... I think Kumari would say that he was full of shit in this movie because he's obviously pretending to be a guru. Oh, yeah, definitely. But even in his revelation in which he's coming loose, he wants to hang on to something so bad, but you're still full of shit. <laughs> but it is very funny. And when I was prepared to like laugh at like you know my fellow whites uh, desperately clinging onto the words of a, a man doing his grandmother's accent. It is hilarious from a distance, and in certain cases it is funny up close. But the reality is that I ended up actually kind of liking a lot of these people. And, and I was yeah. pretty charmed by them. We didn't go super deep into everyone, but a few people we did, or at least had like you know their surface issues and what they deal mm-hmm. with, and seeing how they reflect off of this guy. And I was happy that at least most of them were not upset at the end, um, even if they deserved to maybe be a little bit upset. Mm-hmm. Um, but what did Vikram learn here? I don't know if he learned anything right. The price of sketch comedy. It was no. Ca- what what kind of comedy is it? It was it, it was like a sketch comedy, and it was very interesting to watch him deal with the guilt of it. It really was. That was good. That's kind of what this is about. This guy. Uh, coming up with like a goof ass idea and making a documentary about his own guilt, and then, and then yeah, and making a documentary about his own guilt and trying to kind of like put like a bow on it uh-huh. that represents the thing that he was claiming to fake this whole time. But the thing is, the people that he connected with, it doesn't matter because they were spiritual. It matters because they were just human beings who needed companionship in some way or another. That's true. But that's really what the movie is. I'm going to give it... The movie did make me smile quite a bit. I'm going to give it a 3.75. Damn. Actually, right on. I don't... You know, I think uh, as far as... You know, we we, get, we cover the spiritual, religious grounds in our documentaries, mm-hmm. which I'm really excited about. And, but we're not going to see anything quite like this, you know. Because everything else we're going to see is going to be very self-serious. Yeah, that's probably true. And this one at least is like trying to just kind of comedically bumble through things. Not in a way that is completely dismissive. Yeah. But it's almost like 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 stupidly wandering into stuff. It's, it's kind of like a more toned down uh, all gas, no breaks uh, mm-hmm. uh, video. But... Like a, like a cross between like a Sasha Baron Cohen. He's not as funny as all these guys, but uh, but kind of like you got the vibe that maybe at first that's what he was going for, but he couldn't maintain and that. And then he started to regret it very early on. <laughs> Absolutely. It's about guilt. That's what this fucking whole movie is about. So, you know, the 3.75, I when it comes to enjoyability, I would absolutely put it there. Yeah. Definitely. So you take your 2.5. Combined with my 3.75, that brings it to a total of 6.25. Not bad. Out of 10 Herzogs. It's okay. I think that is a, a very fair score for this movie. Especially since we want to be a little harder. We want to bring a little more attitude to this motherfucking documentary. Oh, are experience. we? Oh, yeah. We might get in. We might get in some faces. Am I? Am, so I'm gonna get more judgy about something I don't know how to make. Yeah. Hell yeah. Especially <laughs> we're gonna, especially other podcasts and shit. 
We're going to get up in some faces. Or are we going to review other podcasts? And Yeah, we are going to insult other podcasts. And even though you probably won't have anything to do with it, we will throw your name around when insulting these podcasts. <laughs> saying that you're going to kick their ass. And then we'll give out your email and stuff. <laughs> okay, good, good. Per- absolutely. So yeah, that's that film. 6.25 for Kumare by Vikram Gandhi. Let's get into some weird shit next time. What do you say? Damn straight. All right. Keep on docking. Keep on docking. And so I put a certain amount of money down here because sometimes I forget that I need to connect with that. Um, but it's not what drives me. So uh, it works. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. You have to sit down a second. Okay. <laughs> does that, but does he. Who does thinks it's a wonderful understand? evening out tonight? For some reason, I just know that I'm going to have a little bit more time with this guy. And I swear he's fresh out of the Himalayas. I had goosebumps coming all over my arms. As soon as I would look at him or connect with the energy, it would just go all over me. Kabam! Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, Kumare. Kumare at one point in this movie asks if what he is doing is what a guru would do. But what does a guru do? The gurus he met pretty much were just hornballs who shaded other gurus. They never said that they were frauds or that everyone else was much of a guru did vikram gandhi accidentally become the best version of a guru he could be and isn't that funny that the best guru is still a fraud do you know gurus honestly if someone walked up to me and called themselves a guru i'll probably look for ways out of the conversation i've never actually directly encountered a guru i bet johnny has though i'll have to ask him i think a fun goal for the mystical spiritual johnny doc episodes is maybe I can find a belief presented in a documentary format that actually converts him to that belief. I think the closest we've come is way back at episode 50 with Children of the Stars about a past life UFO cult in Chico, California that is made up entirely of uh, elderly people. That may be his retirement religion. God, the editing is so much better than it was 100 episodes ago. If you like the show, then subscribe and recommend us to any doc heads you know. There are plenty of people out there that like documentaries. If you're into the show, then we could use your assistance also in upping our Apple podcast reviews. That's the best way to support the show right now. And any five stars with a written review will get read at a later time. So bring them on. You can be weird with it. I don't care. Hit us up at documentariespodcast at gmail.com. If you got anything you want to say to us directly, DM us in our Instagram as well and follow us there. I respond more than half the time. Culture Out will be evolving into streaming, so check out The Culture Out on Twitch and Culture Out on YouTube for stuff there in the future, and I think that's it. Next week, Ginger is joining me, and we are finally going to do a Bigfoot-themed documentary. 
and one called the Unwanted Sasquatch. The A in Unwanted is actually an O. It's kind of it's kind of a different word. You can find that on Tubi or Prime. So hit us up next week for some very special types of nerds. And uh, until then, keep on docking. Come back. Come back. Come back.